amazing day. We're getting to the end of our study in 2 Thessalonians. So if you want to open up God's Word to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, it's the last part of the second uh, letter to the church at Thessalonica. My title today is Peace When You Need It. And uh, when... When I think about the idea of peace, I realize that we search for it, right? We're in search of <clears throat> this idea that all is good, all is good. Uh, some of you are searching for it right now. Um, and maybe even your desire to come to church this morning is part of that pursuit of peace. And the idea of peace, not so much... Uh, when we use it in our world today, we just, uh, most of the time we use it as a lack of war. I want to tell you that it's a much greater sense in the scripture that, excuse me, I don't think I have a cold this morning. Just have uh, old regular Bear Valley, you know, stuff, allergies and stuff. Um, it's a great summer day out here today, isn't it? Beautiful. Um what month are we in? Uh, this morning, uh, as, as we come, I, this idea of peace is not just the idea that nobody's fighting. Um, you've been in your home before when nobody's fighting, but everybody's fuming, right? Uh, Cold War, uh, you know, it, it, that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, the peace that comes, it's a much, actually a much greater theme in the Old Testament than it is in the New, is this idea of, of goodness, of wellness, of that everything is right between you and God. And that you're experiencing that. There's a sense of settledness to you that you enjoy. And you know that it comes from God. You know it's, on, it's dependent on your relationship with Him. But we're searching for it, right? We're looking for it. We're looking for that place when all is well. Some people call it their happy place, right? Uh, when I go to my happy place, uh, everything is good. Everything is well. Some of, us, some of us look for it in sports, right? Go Eagles. Go Eagles. Do you know, some of you didn't even know, Super Bowl Sunday. That's what I tell you. And there's two teams playing. They're the Patriots and the Eagles. And one of them's going to win, and they're going to be the championship of the world for, for at least a year. For at least a year, okay? Pretty exciting, huh? I think of my dad. He always he loves uh, watching baseball, and he, he loves talking about it. And at the end of every conversation, he always says, but it's not going to change my life much. <laughs> you know, and that's the reality, right? I hope you enjoy the day. Hope you have a lot of that spinach dip and stuff like that and uh, all that good stuff. And I hope your team wins. I realize that I realize that there are probably two two different fans here, and so neither somebody's going to be disappointed. I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, sometimes we look for this idea in sports, and we say uh, everything's going to be great if you know not to say this, but the Dodgers win the World Series or something like that. Every, everything's going to be great. Yeah, if my team wins, and there's a sense of enjoyment, but there's also a sense of disappointment, right? The emptiness that comes, even, even at the win. Also, some of us look for it in a beautiful place. Some of you have moved up to Tehachapi, 
shortcut, thinking that all your problems will be solved. And there will be a sense of wellness when you finally get to Tehachapi. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, the problem with that is that you used a moving truck. And that your problems went in those, those moving trucks and you brought them up here with you, you know. Uh, Sometimes we look for it in other things as well. Maybe some of you look for it in your job and you say, no, my job's terrible right now. I've got this situation. It's bad. I'm not getting paid enough. But once I get a raise, once that person gets fired that I have to work with, once I get to be in a different job or I get to be with a better company, all will be great then. And we look for it in things like this. Some of you have do-it-yourself projects that you think you're going to, um, it'll cause you to arrive. You've spent a lot of time at Home Depot and Pinterest, and uh, you've gotten the pictures, and, and you go, it's going to look just like this when I'm done. That's funny, too. Um, sometimes we look for it in temporary stuff, such as food. Uh, we watch... Uh, different uh, shows, and we see how they make things, and you say, oh, that would just be amazing. And food is probably the funniest thing because it just lasts for a moment, right? It just lasts for a moment. Uh, And then you're wanting something better and wanting something um, over. And and then there's this idea that we look for it in things. Some of you, in greater ways, look for it in people you say to yourself, you know, if I, if I just get married, if I just be able to have that special someone, if others of you would say, you know, if I, I just I would be able to have a baby or to have kids, and some of you who have kids, if I just be able to not have these kids anymore, um, you, you, you have this picture in your mind that says, once I get this, All will be good. Some of you look for it in presidents and parties. You think, oh, you know, you've been back and forth, right? You've been back and forth in the last 10, 12 years, and you've said, oh, the next guy is going to really, everything's going to be great when the next guy shows up. Next guy's here, right? Is everything great? No, it's not. It's not. There's some things that are better and some things that are worse. And you go, ah, you know, when, when's everything going to be great again? When's everything going to be what I need it and want it to be? When the, there will be peace in my life. If I could just get it. If I could just get there. And if I could just wait it out. Then all will be good and life will be fulfilling. This morning... Uh, we will find the only one. We'll find the only one. Did you say? Did you hear me say the only one? That's because that's that's because what he's the one we're going to find. Who can provide the thing that we are searching for? Please stand in honor of God's word, and I'd like uh, to read to you this last section. This last section uh, from God's word, uh, starting down at verse sixteen. 
Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is a sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. God, we ask your blessing on our time. We ask that you would grant us this fulfillment in your Son, Jesus Christ, that we would cling to him. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. may be seated. Simple message this morning. Three points, Uh, we start with the relationship with the giver of peace, relationship with the giver of peace. You look at verse 16 and it says it's this concluding concluding benediction or prayer or hope for them. And he says, now may the the Lord of peace himself. Uh, This place is the only place where Paul uses the the idea of the Lord of peace and uh, He's constantly remembering that this is a young church that has just come to faith in Christ. They're a church that is fumbling around trying to separate the past uh, from the present, which will dictate the future. They are a, a church that is struggling to figure out what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be changed by Christ. And so he says, now may the Lord of peace. And, and this, this idea of the Lord of peace, it's that he, he has made peace with you. He has made peace with you. As we consider this this morning, I want to point you to the, the, the deepest part of your person. That that's where the turmoil is. That's where the lack of peace is. That's where the problem is. It's not in your house. There might be problems with your house, but those are your house's problems, right? Uh, the problems of peace come from your heart. I, I, I wonder sometimes where we look at these things that are wrong in our lives and we say, that we say somehow that's where the problem is, not this is where the problem is. Sometimes we look at our marriage and we say, oh, my marriage is a mess. And I want to tell you, if your marriage is a mess, you need the Lord of peace. You need to, that, that he would be the one to be in charge of your heart, that he would be the one to make peace with you. The Lord of peace. This idea of the Lord of peace, he connects this idea of wellness or well-being or everything is okay and right and that I can uh, appreciate life. He connects this idea with him being Lord. With him being Lord. And I want to tell you this morning, that is it for you. Sometimes we look at uh, the, you know, uh, sometimes we know we have problems in our lives. We're struggling with things and we say, oh, my life's complicated. And you say, well, why is your life complicated? Well, because my upbringing, you know, I came from this kind of upbringing and it wasn't good. And, and then this happened to me and then this happened to me and then this happened to me. And if all these things wouldn't happen to me, it, you know, I wouldn't. And I want to tell you, 
There's a singular answer for you, the Lord of peace. The Lord of peace. And as we come to know him, it's not that all those problems will go away, but that he will bring peace to our chaotic history. He will bring peace where there could be no peace prior. As we look at this this morning, we see this, that Paul uses this this idea of the Lord of peace because he wants us to connect our peace, our well-being to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can imagine uh, the church at Thessalonica, a secular town, and they were off doing whatever they were doing and sinning in ways and all kinds of ways. And then they came to know Christ. And for those of you who are new believers here today, relatively new, I want to tell you, uh, sometimes you come to know Christ and you say, well, how do I sort out all that mess behind me? How do I straighten out all those things? How do, and I want to tell you, you don't. You don't. The, the issue, you can't go back and change what has already happened. But because you have now relationship with the Lord of peace, you have faith and a relationship so that you can take steps forward in new life. The Lord of peace. Um, it's interesting the way he writes it uh, and uses the Greek and kind of underlines something here. He says, uh, the Lord of peace himself, the Lord of peace himself. Uh, and if you hear himself, it, it, it's as if you, you know, the king, he's the king, right? He's going to say that in the end of the book. But the, this idea of the Lord being the one in charge, it's not that he's sending you something. He's not doing something to you and then walking away, but that he is personally involved with it. This bringing of peace to your own heart, he's not doing it from afar. He's doing it himself. And it underlined and underscores the beautiful relationship that we can and do have with Jesus. That he himself will bring you peace. He himself will be the one to do the work that no one else could do in you. The Lord, the Lord of peace himself will come. And, and it says this, that, um, that he will give you peace. He will give you peace. Even in that way, uh, he doesn't say uh, he'll make peace with you or he'll make a peace treaty with you, right? He gives it to you. It's a gift. Um, some of you are real hard workers here this morning, diligent, you have checklists, right? You have things to do and you love scraping them off, right? When you're done with them and you like standing back and you go, ha ha, I finished. Love it. I want to tell you that's great, uh, for doing the dishes. It's great for mowing weeds, kind of. They'll come back. So will the dishes, by the way, um, Unless you use paper plates, they just keep coming back. Um, I want to tell you, you should be diligent. In fact, you know, that's one of the themes of First and Second Thessalonians is not to be idle, to keep working, to be faithful, to get after the task that the Lord has placed before you. But I want to tell you, 
that if you apply that to your salvation and you making your life right, you'll get it all wrong. It's a gift. This peace comes from the Lord of peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I want to keep underlining this because I, I feel like I'm in good company here this morning. Uh, sometimes uh, we run around like chickens with our head cut off, right? Thinking that we're somehow going to fix everything and do everything. And the problems of this life, we're just going to uh, figure it out. And, we're gonna, and I want to tell you that chances are the reason you don't have peace in relationships and things in your home and in your heart is not because something's wrong. There will always be something wrong, by the way. Always. Uh, but that it's that you're trying to do it yourself and finding answers in places which were not meant to bring you peace. He gives you peace. I find it interesting, too, how he says this. He says, um, at all times in every way. What do you, what do you think uh, Paul or the inspiration of God was trying to communicate to you there? In all times, in every way. Like, what, what, what is that? It's, it's in everything. Uh, what time is it right now? Some of you are wearing a watch because you're really important. Um, you look at your watch and you're trying to keep the pastor on the bell schedule. I know some of you teachers out there, you think there's a bell schedule. There's not one here. Um, but uh, what time is it? What time is it? Maybe some of you have a calendar. What day is it? Well, what's going on? What phase of life is it for you? I want to tell you, whatever time it is, whatever day it is, whatever phase of life it is, He wants to bring you peace. He wants to bring you peace. You think about that and you think about, well, um, you can have peace in some situations, but not uh, in others. But He wants to bring you peace. He wants to gift you this peace at all times in every way. And I, I want to I back up again, okay? I want to back up again. What does that mean? Uh, does it mean that your finances are all going to work out perfectly and you're never going to be in want? No, it doesn't mean that. How, what does it mean about your health? Uh, does it mean that he's going to fix all your problems? And if you just trust him more, you'll never get sick and you'll never die. That doesn't make sense, does it? Especially because heaven is waiting, right? That doesn't make sense at all. Um, well, what does that mean for your relationships, even in your family, in your marriage? Does that mean that uh, everyone's going to talk nice in your home and everyone's going to like everybody and everyone's going to serve one another and rainbows will be up on the walls in your home and, you know, nice birds will be chirping inside your house? Like, it. What does that mean? What does that mean? Does it mean that everything's going to go your way? No, it does not. But it means that in the relationship that he has with you, in, the, in your person, there will be peace that you can have in the midst of poor health, poor finances, poor relationships. Really, not just in poor ones, in good ones too, Right? It's in every way, in every situation. He, he's saying in every moment of every day, 
of every part of your life, every corner that you have, there is peace that you can have. Why? Because Jesus brought it to you himself. Because he gave you himself. And because you're in relationship with him, the weather really doesn't matter. What's going on in the news doesn't really matter. What's even, you know, the the phone calls that you get that are even tragedies, that, that those things can all be placed in perspective because you now have relationship, a peace relationship. You get His peace. I want to tell you that, that that's gold. That's gold. There's nothing more valuable to you. Um, Just a little context. Uh, I was thinking about this passage and it coming towards the end and him talking about peace. And I was thinking about how we always want to feel confident where we're going. Feel confident. Uh, you like to know things. Some of you like being in Tehachapi because you say, I know the whole town. <laughs> There's not much to know, right? So you just moved up here and you're like, well, what do I need to know? You know where Home Depot is, right? Right? You just go down the list. There's not too many things. And you go, you got it. It's all there. You know, it's not complicated. Uh, you like that. You like that because it makes you feel comfortable. But what if you didn't know anything? Well, you know, you say, well, I, 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 you know, and they had just trusted in Christ. This wasn't something old for them. They hadn't grown up in faith. I want to tell you what, what for them, for them, they were like, I don't know what the future holds. And he says, peace, peace. And the Lord of peace, he himself will grant you peace so that even if the whole future is like, and, and you think about the things that he talked about with them, end times things, becoming a, a man of lawlessness, right? And you're going, whoa. It, it's funny because most of the time we go, you got to give me the details and then I'll, I'll feel comfortable with it. Well, he gave them the details and the details, as I read them, I go, whoa. In some ways, I would have rather not known the details because it sounds so chaotic and even scary and things that I can't comprehend. And I want to tell you, it's not about you knowing the details, knowing the plan. It's about you having peace with the Lord of peace. And that peace that he grants you and gives you will set the pace and will be the, at the heart of who you are in the midst of your marriage, in the midst of raising kids, in the midst of your job, in the midst of your finances, in the midst of your health issues. The God of peace. You look at this and you go, oh, th this is a key. It is a key. And I want to tell you, if you don't have it here, this, this morning's your morning. It's time for you. Paul shares a little bit about his own relationship with them in verse 17. He says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. The relationship with Paul. I write this with my own hand. This is a sign of genuineness in every letter of mine is the way I write. Um, so you know about uh, penmanship, right? Some of you teach it. <laughs> Some of you teachers, you teach penmanship. And I'm sorry because there are boys like Kevin Bosler in your classroom that do not care, do not care about penmanship. But I want to tell you what's interesting about uh, penmanship. Uh, 
you can see things and you go, oh, Kevin wrote this. I don't know what it says, but Kevin wrote this, right? Um, I, I see it. I, it. It's fascinating to me. I, I, I see uh, my grandparents, they both had a, a particular penmanship that I, I remember. And when I see something, I go, they're, they're gone. I see it. My mom, my dad too, he's, you know, the nut doesn't fall far from the tree. I think I got my penmanship from my dad. Uh, but, but you see that and you can see this is written by them. Paul used that as a sign. We don't know how much of this letter he wrote. And many times there were professional scribes that would write uh, for writers and they would dictate it and they would go through it and they would write it in such a way that it was uh, beautiful. And as we come to the end of this letter, Paul says, you know, I wrote this with my own hand. We don't know how much he wrote, but he's marking it as genuine. And you think, well, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? I want to tell you it was a huge deal. And you say, why? Because they were new believers. Because it was a church that hadn't had a history of faith. So um, if somebody wrote to us, somebody wrote to us, a, a famous pastor wrote to us or somebody came and visited here and they'd shared with us we loved them they wrote to us and they wrote us a letter they wrote us an email okay anybody can write an email right uh doesn't even you, you don't even can't even tell really who it came from uh you can say well it came from this address but we don't know who wrote it why would it be so important that they knew that it was genuine from paul and i want to tell you because they didn't know anyone they could trust other than paul they knew that they, they knew that he loved them. He, they knew that they had a relationship. He was the one who shared with them. And so now they're trying to figure out what's genuine. What's, I, I want to tell you, that's what's so important about the scripture for us. Is that we would know what God has said and not be deceived by another. And so it's a relationship with the Lord of peace. It's a relationship with Paul. And then lastly, the last words is a relationship continuing in the gospel of grace. Verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Grace points us back uh, to the point in time of salvation once again, that we were uh, accepted the Lord Jesus, that we have relationship with him based upon grace, based upon his work, but also uh, this idea that grace would continue, that we would continue to walk in grace, that we would continue to be dependent on Him. I want to tell you that um, as we, um, our church name is Bear Valley Church, but another great name for a church is Grace Church. You know why? Because it sticks in our face that we should never forget why we're here. We might think we're awesome someday, but we would look at our church name or grace. And when you see that word grace, you don't go, oh, I'm awesome. No. You say the gift of God, His Son, Jesus. That's what was awesome. That's what brought me to the place. My relationship with Him is based on His work. It continues to be that way. We're going to celebrate that in a moment. Before we do, I, I just want to give you three landing points this morning as we close our time. Uh, first one is this. If you aren't a believer, 
if you aren't a believer here this morning, you've come and you've been checking us out, you've been wondering about what God has for you, I want to tell you, if you aren't a believer here this morning, quit looking. Quit looking and embrace Jesus. My fear for you is that you'll continue to, to shovel through the best that this world has. You'll look for it in this place or that place or that corner or in this relationship or that relationship. And I want to tell you, quit looking. Quit looking and embrace Jesus. Embrace Jesus, the only one. Secondly, if you're a believer here this morning, quit looking. Quit looking. You found him. You found him. Quit looking. Quit, quit chasing down in all those other areas and saying, my life will be complete. No, your life is complete with the Lord of peace. So if you found him, if he's found you, um, quit looking. Quit looking and embrace Jesus and, 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 and cling to him and, and confide in him and apply him, his peace, to your marriage. Apply his peace to your health. Apply his peace to your finances, to your raising of your children, to the problems that you have. Trust in him and then go be God's person. Quit looking. And lastly, I just tell you this, continue in grace. You know what this life is? This life is. Any phase, I don't care what phase you're in, I don't care how old you are. I mean, I care, you know, I'll celebrate birthdays with anybody else, you know. Uh, But uh, this is a blanket statement. Life is, uh, is one of these things where we're slipping and tripping, fumbling and failing. That's life. And moment by moment, we need have a continual need for His grace. Continual need for it. And so continue in it. Don't, don't stop. Don't think that you've arrived. Don't, don't, don't think that uh, you're above grace. You're not above grace. You're in need of grace. Wherever God's got going on today in your life. Please join me with me in prayer. God, I thank you for this time. Thank you for the blessing of your word. I thank you for this great book, um, Second Thessalonians, that we were um, able to be able to be in a study for a few months in. And Lord, we, we ask that you would continue to uh, work these lessons out in our lives. Uh, God, help us not forget. I pray that you bring healing uh, to the marriages here today. I pray that you bring healing and peace to uh parent-children relationships, even uh, adult children, uh, how that works out sometimes is difficult. God, uh, I pray that um, your son Jesus, that him being the Lord of peace, would be the treasure of, of our heart. That relationship with him would be our treasure, and that would set the pace for all other things that we got going. God, thank you for your kindness to us, your grace that you poured out us in, in your son, Jesus. And it's in him we celebrate. Pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. I'd ask that the men would come forward who are going to help me with communion, would come and make ready the table.
This morning, uh, Zach chose a bunch of songs that speak of the cross and his work, a bunch of them. And I, I was thinking it was a great Easter Sunday, some of the songs that we sang here this morning. Uh, I, I want to tell you that we celebrate this as, as a way of reminder. Uh, we are prone to forget. We're prone to forget that we uh, needed grace and are in need of grace today. This is where we are. And so... Uh, this is a time for you. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, as I shared with you earlier, this is your Sunday. This is your Sunday for you to sort these things out and cry out to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. I'd ask that you'd use this time, that you wouldn't participate, but you'd use this time in your own heart to sort this out before Him. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, no matter what church you are a part of or from, or if you're just floating through, uh, we're happy to celebrate with you a family meal very small meal, but a very important one, a reminder for us, a reminder that Jesus has done what we could not do for ourselves, saved us, forgave us, paid the price for us. And so uh, as the men serve, uh, we'll hold the elements and then we'll partake together as we remember the Lord.
as Jesus gathered with his disciples, uh, shared a meal with them. And at that meal, after he served them, he, he took the bread and he broke it, explained to them that this was his body broken for them. We do this this morning, remembering the body of our Lord broken on our behalf. That same meal, the Lord of peace, he also took the cup. He explained to them that this was the blood of the new covenant that he was making with them. He was describing an event that he was going to do, that his blood was going to be spilt on their behalf. 
We do this this morning remembering the blood of our Lord that was spilled on our behalf. Please stand with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for the grace that you displayed in us as a church, but also in us individually. That our stories uh, that you have brought the gospel into us, that you have brought us peace where there was war. You brought us peace where there was chaos. You brought us peace and confidence now as we live in a world that is chaotic. And so we're grateful. God, help us to live uh, trusting in you, trusting in your continued role in our lives and continuing in the, the beautiful relationship that you've granted us in your son. God, do your work in us now as we leave. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we leave today, you can participate. There's an offering uh, in the back uh, for those who are uh, needy in our church. We thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.